Good morning. In Nashua, New Hampshire, just last year, last June, a woman and her dog were rescued from a sewer system they had fallen into while out on a walk. After falling in and being trapped, the woman started screaming for help through a pipe in the system. She continued to cry out without stopping. As one of the rescue team members told the reporters, we could hear her, but she couldn't hear us. And you know what? I, th- I think that describes how our relationship with God can feel sometimes. We cry out to him for help, and he can hear us, but we can't hear him. Our subject today is forgiveness and unforgiveness in our relationship with God. This is week three in our Freedom, from, uh, freedom and Forgiveness series, 70 times 7. And uh, welcome. If you haven't been here the first two weeks, let me just recap just for a quick minute. Why a fall series on forgiveness in the first place? And the reason we're doing this is because forgiveness is the gospel of Jesus. I mean, that's at the heart of the gospel of Jesus, forgiveness. And because unforgiveness is the number one fact, most common factor that keeps us in bondage to our past. And Jesus came to set us free. And so we're going full on on this fall in our small groups, in our children's and youth ministry, in our sermons on the topic of forgiveness. In week one, we covered Jesus' severe answer. Remember, it was a pretty severe answer to the question, why forgive? Uh, He means business. He died for this. He means business. Then last week, if you were here, I want to thank Sean, Sean Mason, our youth director, for a great job last Sunday covering forgiveness and freedom from sexual bondage and shame. Both those messages are well worth going back to watch if you missed either of those. I want to also share uh, here at the, at the outset a, a quick testimony from one of our small groups. Small groups are going very well. They're also doing the 70 times 7 material. Uh, this leader emailed me and said, our group now has 17 adults and 13 children. Nice. We were, and then listen to this. We were able to separate into groups of men and women for the first time last week with each group having a leader to help facilitate discussion. I can speak for the men's group. Each of us had an opportunity to share about our past, encourage one another, and discuss how unforgiveness has delivered each of us to tormentors before. That was Jesus' point in week one. It really set some great framework for the rest of this study and has led to spirit-filled living and fellowship already. I just want to praise God for that, what he's doing in our church. Next week, just a little preview, we're going to get into the question of how do I forgive them? We're going to look out. That's a critical week. And the week after that, another critical week, how do I forgive myself? Receive God's forgiveness fully myself. I don't want you to miss either of those next two weeks, but today we start with where it all begins, and that's the topic of our relationship with God, our up relationship, and then out and then in. God designed us for a relationship with him. So let's get this right. And we begin with one of Jesus' most well-known parables, the parable of the prodigal son. To do our first task today, which is to define our relationship with God. So open your Bibles to Luke 15, and if you don't have a bulletin yet, Chris has them. The password, just raise your hand and he'll put one in your hand. Those do help you follow along. So Luke 15, starting in verse 11, we come to one of Jesus' most well-known parables, the parable of the prodigal son. 
guys think you're probably there. Words are on the screen. Let's get right into this magnificent story, starting in verse 11. And he, that's Jesus, said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And so he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And I want you to notice right from the start what this young man said to his father. It's pretty shocking. He basically said, Dad, I wish you were dead. Because a son doesn't inherit his father's wealth, his possessions, his inheritance until the dad dies. It's hard to imagine anything more painful for a parent to hear than this. I wish you were dead. I'm just going to take my inheritance and leave you. And Jesus is picturing here right off the, off the outset what all of our sin looks like every time we sin. Every time we sin against our holy, loving Father, we're saying, I don't value your law. I don't need your love. I don't want a relationship with you. I don't want your control over my life. Well, of course, we don't want that kind of broken relationship with God, our Father. And so I'm going to ask everyone here to do four things this morning to define our relationship with God. They're on your notes. If you're not taking notes, just listen to these four things. We don't want this broken relationship with God, our loving Father, the perfect Father, the only perfect Father that there is. First is recognize that I need God. Let's talk about the prodigal son. How, here's a little quiz. How many have ever heard of the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son? Okay. For most of us, it's very well known. Now, what does it mean to be a prodigal? I asked Scott Long this before he uh, came up to read scripture this morning. I said, Scott, what is a prodigal? And he said, uh, you know, it's, it's when you have a child who's extremely talented at something like math or piano playing, something like that. I said, no, no, no. Scott, that's a prodigy. Um, so I got him all straightened out this morning. I'm just kidding, by the way. But what is a prodigal? Okay, so a lot of people, if, if you were to answer this, would say someone who's lost or someone who turns their back on their family and runs away. And, and all of those things are included in this story, but that's not what the word prodigal actually means. It means ridiculously extravagant. Okay, and what we are going to see today is that the parable of the prodigal son is actually more of a story of the prodigal father because it illustrates the ridiculously, unwarranted, mind-blowingly extravagant love of God for us, his children, even when we reject him and break his heart. And so what we've seen so far is the son has taken his inheritance, rejected his father, gone off to a far country, far away from God and far away from his father, and squandered his inheritance on partying and foolishness. Let's pick up in verse 14. And read, this, read the story. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. 
See the parallel to, to our spiritual lives, to our lives. Uh, so he was in need, and so he went and hired himself to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. So here we have him broke and lonely and in despair and starving. So much so that he hired on with a farmer to care for pigs, an unclean animal for the Jews. This is the lowest of the low circumstances, the bottom. And this is a picture of the trajectory of sin in our lives. Oh yeah, sin starts off great. We think we have control and it brings a lot of pleasure, we think. And the, and the Bible doesn't say that sin isn't fun. It says that it's fun for a season. You know, we know this, it always leads to despair in the end. And you may be there right now, or you may be heading there. I'm glad you're here this morning. Let me remind you that God still loves you so much. And we will see that, and the Father never gives up on his son, never stops looking for his son, waiting for his son to return Pick up in verse 17. Here's the son out there in despair. He, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. He starts to come to his senses in the midst of all this. And there's great symbolism here. He, he starts thinking about how much better he had things when he was close to his father. As St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until we find our rest in thee, God. So wherever you are right now, there's the first step. Start to recognize, I need God. We depend on him for everything. Next, then, decide to pursue him. Decide to pursue him. Notice that the father doesn't force the son to stay at home. God doesn't coerce us. He doesn't force himself on us. He allows us to choose, and he waits. He allows the decision to be ours, to leave him or to pursue him. Be careful what you decide with your life. Verses 18 and 20, the son says, I will arise and go to my father. I will do this, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Notice what the son had to do first. He pursued his father. He had to admit that he sinned against his father, and he had to decide to ask him for forgiveness and turn back to him. That is what the Bible calls repentance. I'm going this way, and it's not working. And I know in my heart that it's in my soul that this is not right. This isn't who I am. So I turn around. That's what repentance is. Humbly go back to the Father. And how's the Father going to respond? How's the Father going to respond? This is our journey, brothers and sisters. It happens daily. It happens over a long period of time. We were created for a relationship with God, but we all choose to go our own way at this point. We all do. And sin breaks our relationship with God because, of course, he is holy. But God, rich in mercy and love for us, provides a solution, his own son, Jesus. 
our Savior, to pay the price for our sin so that we can come back. So let's talk about that. In Christ, we just sang, in Christ we can return to God by returning to him and simply asking for forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9, it doesn't get any clearer or more profound of a promise than this from God. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And I, I love this. We suggest, what, what does this last statement mean? I think it means everything else we've forgotten about or just didn't think of asking for forgiveness. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Oh, our relationship with God. You don't have to figure out how to be perfect first. You just come to him. He's reaching out to us always, and he's ready to forgive us and bless us when we are ready to ask. So let's see all this play out in Jesus' story here. Now, we recognize I need God. We decide to pursue God and then see what happens. We need to receive God's forgiveness because he's ready. He's ready to give it to us. Receive God's forgiveness through Christ alone. Starting in verse 20 again, where we just read. I'll, I'll start there again. And again, he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And the father ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. That's true. But the father said to his servants, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found and they began to celebrate. And oh, I would love to talk to each and every one of you about the moments in your life where you've experienced this. And again, you'll have more. What, is it, what does Jesus teach us about our relationship with God here? That, that God wants us back. He wants us. We are created for a relationship in him. He's provided us Jesus who's always there to bring us back through our act of confession and forgiveness to bring us back. Okay, and look at the Father's extravagance in receiving him. Jesus pictures God's extravagant love here in such vivid terms, his extravagant forgiveness to anyone, and I mean anyone who repents will be forgiven. God's screaming this to you today. I would encourage you not to add to your sins by, by committing the sin of saying, oh, God would never have me back he could never forgive me you know what you're, you're you're disagreeing with his word don't compile your sin by by being deceived and, and believing that that god could never forgive you no one has gone too far back that's what he's saying to you today john three sixteen. for god so loved the world that he gave his only son that who whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life Come to God today and be made right with him, and it's through forgiveness. But that leads us to the next point, and that is don't replace Jesus as the king of your life. Okay, there's a pendulum here. We talked about the young son. Now we're going to talk about the older brother. Remember that Jesus is talking. He's telling this parable to a group of people, primarily to the Pharisees here, the religious leaders 
that were, you know, they knew God, they knew all about the word, but they had become what? They'd become self-righteous. And so this is his main point in this parable here. They have made themselves king of their lives. And Jesus pictures this now with the elder brother. Follow along as I pick up in verse 25. Now, this is still the story Jesus is telling. Now his older son was in the field and he came and drew near to the house and heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And the servant said to him, your brother has come back and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Oh, but the older brother was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your commands. Yet You never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And listen to the father's response. He said to him, son, you're still your son. You are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And, oh, brothers and sisters, be very, very careful with another tendency of our flesh, and that is to be our own judge, jury, executioner, and condemner of other people, people that bother us, who don't, who don't live up to our expectation, who don't make the decisions or aren't gifted the way that we are, who's disobeying God in a way that you don't like, without realizing that you disobey God in other ways. You're, we're tempted by the, by the flesh to be this way. Now Jesus, the real king of our lives, sets us straight the other direction. The second son is dishonoring his father every bit as much as the first son. You get that? As we sit here, the perfect church attendance, which is good. I'm a big fan of perfect church attendance. Not to condemn other people. God is the judge. God is the judge. We are not. Now, I, when we talk about judging people, we have to distinguish God is the judge, jury, executioner, condemner. But he does command us to make righteous judgments. And that's a whole other sermon. Okay, we do make righteous judgments, and that's pr more critical these days than ever in our lifetime. But not to condemn other people. In fact, we, what we do is we give grace. We forgive offenses of others. How many times? <laughs> we got big giant red letters here. Unlimited. 10,000 talents worth of forgiveness that we give. That's our calling. And you see the beauty in that. It's a certain kind of sacrifice and following Jesus' way of sacrifice. And, oh, just it's the answer. Okay, so you've got to answer this today, too. Who have you condemned in your heart already or going on right now in a way that's breaking fellowship with you and God or with you and a, and a brother or sister and is ruining your testimony with unbelievers who are watching? If you've been that elder brother, it's time today to ask God to forgive that as well and be restored with your relationship with God. And then go and do the work of restoring your relationship with that person that you've been condemning. And I've been... I have witnessed that happen within this church recently, and it's a beautiful and powerful thing. It's an awesome thing to watch that restoration happen.
Will you restore your relationship with God in that way as well? Oh, God is good, and we are created for a relationship with him, and we can have it through Jesus. So praise Jesus. He has helped us define our relationship with God in forgiveness and unforgiveness, and now it's time for him to lead us to point two, and that is to understand God's relationship with us. All right? We've defined our relationship with him. Now we're going to understand God's relationship with us. For this, turn over to Matthew 6, to what we call the Lord's Prayer that Scott read just a bit ago. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. And we need to see the impact that forgiveness and unforgiveness has on God's relationship with us. He wants a great relationship with us. I hope you want a great relationship with him. He wants a great relationship with you. He does. So here are some factors about what helps that and what hurts that. The first thing we've got to realize is that our disobedience wounds him. Our disobedience wounds our father, God. I remember my dad teaching me a very valuable lesson. The, the fear of the Lord, of course, is the beginning of all knowledge and all wisdom. The fear of the Lord, if you fear God, you don't fear anything else. If you don't fear God, you fear everything else. I, I explain this to my kids as in a picture of um, the fear of the Lord is like fearing your dad with a spoon. You know that he loves you, but boy, that spoon hurts. Okay? Now, the lesson is as you mature in your relationship with God, that fear of the Lord's discipline is replaced by the fear of hurting him. I don't want to do anything that hurts God who loves me so much. Know that our sins, our disobedience wound, wounds him. Forgiveness is needed when we are wounded, right? What makes God need to forgive us? And that, the answer is when we wound him. So here are two passages where he tells us this. Of many. Genesis 6, 5 and 6, he says, The Lord, in the days of Noah, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and it grieved him to his heart. Next in Ezekiel 6, 9, I was crushed by their adulterous hearts, God says, which have turned away from me and by their eyes, which have lusted after their idols. He's grieved, he's crushed. Remember the type of father that he is. We're built for a relationship with him. Our disobedience and neglect and rebellion wound God. Now, if we are God's children, we don't want to wound our father. But second, remember that God is not only completely loving, but he's also completely holy. Remember this. So Jesus teaches us the truth that our unforgiveness causes him to stop forgiving us. This is a major thrust of week one in the parable of the unforgiving servant. It comes up again in the Lord's Prayer. This is such a common passage. We've recited this. You've probably memorized it. Um, but we, there's something in it that Jesus teaches that are shocking again when we look closely. Let's look at this. Matthew 6, 9 through 15. The disciples ask Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he says this, and it's a, ma it's a masterful template of prayer that we should follow all the time. He says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, holy of all things. There's nothing more holy, 
and the Father, God. And here's how to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. We totally depend on you. Now look at verse 12. And forgive us, forgive us our debts so we can be restored. But he doesn't just leave it there. He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. If you really stop and think here, notice how Jesus teaches us to pray. This is pretty shocking. God, we're, we're supposed to pray only forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors? He's saying to ask for accountability in a major way. Forgiveness is absolutely of utmost importance to God because he's holy and because he's loving. And then he finishes his sample prayer with this important connected statement, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that's the end of his sample prayer. Now you'd think that Jesus, having just given the sample prayer, might move on to something else, another topic, but he doesn't. He, he knows he just dropped that bomb in, in what we call verse 12 here. And so he just drew, blew their minds with that part about forgiveness. And so he goes back to elaborate on that, and that's where we get to four, verses 14 and 15. He says, okay, in addition, hear this. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Can I be any more clear? But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, uh-uh, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses, and you're in a world of torment. Remember this from, from week one, Jesus' parable of the unforgiven servant. Jesus' main point in that parable was in, this, in the climax in, in Matthew 18, 34, and 35. I'm just going to read those two verses again. The climax of that parable was, and in his anger... In anger, his master delivered him to the tormentors until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Is forgiveness a big deal to God? Yes. As we learned, our unforgiveness is the permission the enemy has to torture you. Because of our unforgiveness of others, we are enduring physical and mental and spiritual and emotional pain, sickness, anxiety, illness, all those things. We're holistic. It, it destroys us. Now, again, not all suffering is caused by unforgiveness, but Jesus says that it often is. I love this. Military General James Oglethorpe in the mid-1700s once said to the great traveling preacher, John Wesley, he said, Son, I never forgive and I never forget. To which Wesley replied, Then, sir, I hope you never sin. I don't know what the general said in reply to that. God means business. He is holy. That means he means business. Forgiveness impacts our entire life starting with his own relationship with us. And so, out of his love and grace, he's teaching us this very thing from his word. Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer, if you don't forgive, then God can't forgive you. Now, let me repeat that, because this raises an important question that we're going to finish with today. The statement that Jesus just teaches, right here, verses 14 and 15 in the Lord's Prayer, if you don't forgive, then God can't forgive you. Now, did you notice the important question that that raises? 
If we're all saved, if we're brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of God, you know what that means. That means we've asked for God's forgiveness, and through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, he has forgiven us of all of our sin, right? Amen? Amen. So how, how can I be a saved Christian, which means God forgave me of all my sins, and yet Jesus teaches that God will not forgive my sins? Have you been wondering this? Okay, the answer is very important. So hear this. It's also simple theology, and we need to know it. On your notes, if you have them, you have two columns on a little chart. This is from the small group curriculum, and I wanted to include it today. What the Bible teaches is that there are two types of forgiveness. And if you confuse these, you get into some bad theology that really messes you up. So let's get this right. Type one is God's forgiveness for redemption. That's what brings, redemption is a, is a slave term. We're slave and bondage to sin, our past, our self-righteousness, to condemnation and hell forever. Well, when, we're, when we trust Jesus as our Savior and ask for his forgiveness, he forgives us infinitely, perfectly, eternally. That's our redemption. We're set free forever. But now we have type two of God's forgiveness. And this is what Jesus is talking about in these parables. God's forgiveness for relationship. Our relationship with God is the most important relationship there is in life. Now remember, this is our topic today. We were created, we are created for a relationship with God above all things. And we can't have that. We can't have freedom. We can't have peace in our lives. We can't have joy in our lives without our relationship with God restored. And that takes forgiveness. Okay, that's what we're talking about here. In that first type of forgiveness, hey, that is a universal problem for all mankind. Everybody needs to be forgiven for their sins. In the second type, it's a universal problem for all believers. All believers, when we sin, have a broken relationship with God, and that torments us. And we don't need to. We can just come back, and he'll forgive us. But it's, it affects all of us. Okay, in that first type of, unforgiveness, of forgiveness for redemption, the focus is on life after death, heaven instead of hell. In the second type, the focus is on life before death. That's right now. This is how we live victoriously, peacefully, joyfully, healthy. Number three, um, under the first type of God, uh, forgiveness, it's, it means saved from torment in hell. And in the relationship type, it's saved from torment on earth. Praise God. Four, in the, in the first type, the torment never stops after death. Check this out. In type two, the torment immediately stops upon forgiveness. He takes away the right of the tormentors to inflict our lives as soon as we ask for forgiveness. That's what Jesus teaches. And then finally, Jesus in the first type says, believe and you shall be saved. And in the second, he says to his believers, forgive and you shall be set free. Set free. There is freedom in forgiveness. My non-believing friends here today, there is freedom in forgiveness forever. It's called salvation and eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it can be yours today. Jesus has paid the price already. There is freedom and forgiveness. My believing brothers and sisters, it's called a fully restored relationship with God. 
that we are created for. That is awesome. God, our healer, our protector, our friend, our Lord, our everything, our sustainer, our guide, and so much more, who we live to glorify, who we live to enjoy forever. And oh, he's good. And you can be restored with him right now. Here are a couple next steps to make sure that you experience these great things, either eternal life, you can have today, or a restored relationship with God and restoration in all parts of of your life as you go forward into restoring other things. Start with a relationship with God. That's number one, is to begin a relationship with God right now. This is a call to salvation, my friends who have never done this before, never received God's forgiveness through Jesus' sacrifice for your rebellion and unbelief. God's justice, I just want to throw out a couple more verses so you know in case you don't know the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, you have to know the bad news first, why this is such good news. God's justice requires the deserving penalty for the sin of not believing in him and receiving Jesus. Matthew 25, 41, Jesus says that, that then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's what's at stake. But asking for forgiveness from God, here's what happens, Romans 5, 8, and 10. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. That means our relationship with God by the death of his son. That gives you the relationship that you know you're missing, that you felt you need, and that you know that you need. And I pray that the Holy Spirit is, t- is telling you that right now. Yes, I need that. Well, ask for forgiveness through, through Jesus, and it's yours. You may be a member of this church and realize today, you know what? I've never actually done that. I've said that I've done that, but I never have. If you come to that realization today, This can be the day of your salvation. There's no shame in that. Ask for forgiveness through Christ today, and your place in God's family is secure. Would you make sure today? The second next step, then, is commit to the process of forgiveness this fall. It is a process. If you missed week one, don't panic. God gives a season of grace for you to work through the process. It's the sanctification process. There's a lot of involved. There's a lot of wounds. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of restoration. There's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of questions, and we're here to work through all of this together. So here's a couple things. Know that, first of all, we're talking about our relationship with God. Go back over your notes that you've taken this morning or what you remember from the parable of the prodigal son. God wants you back. He wants you to be his son or daughter. He's proven that by the death of Jesus Christ to pay for our sins so that we can come to him. Now the next, so claim that, talk to him. He answers. If you pray, he answers. Then the next two weeks, we continue out the process. Next week again, we've looked up today. We're going to look out next week. The process, how can I forgive them? The Bible says a lot about that. There is a process. And then after that, in, how can I forgive myself or receive Christ's forgiveness completely for myself. Join a small group this week if you haven't yet, because that's really where you work deeply into the process with brothers and sisters who love you and are ready to walk 
through that together. They're going well at first. There's still a lot more to go. God is good. He's gracious. Uh, and he's given you this opportunity right now to be restored in every way. Let's close in prayer and devote ourselves to him.